0: This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com.
1: Open
2: up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science and enjoyment of craft beer yeah what's wrong with the beer we got now here are your hosts tim dennis and brian hewitt
0: welcome to the beer guys radio show we are broadcasting from the beer guys radio studios and this week we're talking homebrewing beer mead and cider all the homebrewing goodies are several of them brian several of them several of them you know i'm tim dennis and as always with me brian hewitt
3: Hey, Tim, so joining us today, we have Michael Syrup, one of the masterminds behind Rainy Day Brewery, and Bill Boyer, homebrewer extraordinaire of Beer and Fire Brewery. Like you said, all things homebrewing. That's what we're talking about, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us.
0: We're sipping, Bill, one of your creations right now, right? This is a Raisin Mead,
2: and it is called a What Is Your Quest? Yep, it's a Raisin Mead called What Is Your Quest? Uh, Interesting thing about that is a Raisin Mead, Normally, if you have grapes, it's called a piment, but with it's raisins, via BJCP, it's just cons- considered a basic mellow Okay. Okay. You know what? We'll talk about that,
0: piments and mellow and
3: bouchets. and there's so many flavors of mead that people may not know. Indeed. Why did you go with the Monty Python reference for a raisin mead? I'm curious what the, the meaning is behind that.
2: A lot of my meads are named after Monty Python. It was before COVID when the last, or when the mead I was making was an elderberry mead. And I was like, what should I call it? I ended up calling it French taunter. Uh, oh, and then yes. after that, okay. as I threw out COVID, I kept on naming them after um, various different things for Monty Python, mostly Holy Grail. But, and after I've made so much, now I'm just going into other things of Monty Python related.
3: Okay, and there's a there's a good amount of material out there. It, I think the entire series of of Monty Python is available on Netflix these days. I, I don't know if you guys ever did it, but I bought the back when the the DVD box sets with the giant plastic cases. So it's about as long as this table if you get all of the seasons of it together. Ridiculous, but uh, yeah. I've
0: heard jokes that even the most hardcore Monty Python fans like like the movie in three sketches. to Python. Do you find that factual?
3: Uh I I enjoy. Pretty much everything I've, I've okay. seen in Monty Python. I've what, of course, the show came out what late 60s was that when it was is it, is 70s, 70s, and, 70s? 70s? Yeah. and a lot of the the weird political references that they make are like I have no idea what they're talking about, but so it's so ridiculous across the board in the, uh, in the show that there's a lot to enjoy in it,
0: you know. It's interesting to watch shows from even a couple decades ago
3: and see how much change oh, things have yeah. changed.
0: I was watching. An old facts of life, which I guess that was 80s, right? Yeah, that's right. So, but they found like they found a picture of someone that opened up some mystery, and they just couldn't figure out how. How can we find out more of this? That you know that just Google them.
3: The entire you know, episode would this, be or, would
0: be over yeah. with
3: modern technology. Oh, you've got a question about that? Hold on, let me grab my yeah. phone.
0: <laughs> just Google and it. to you can answer just about anything. Some you can answer things you really don't want to know the answer to. That was nice back then. Someone would throw a weird phrase out at you like I wonder what that means I don't know and I, there's no good way to find out.
3: I think it would be a funny YouTube series for somebody to go back and re-record all those, and and then insert what, how it would change with modern tech. And every episode would be like two or three minutes, three long. minutes long. Yeah. Like, all right, I've cool. seen the we entire season.
0: Out. It's it's done. Scooby Doo runs a background check, and does that's right. That oh, time. it's old
1: man Carruthers.
0: Yes. <laughs> all right. See you guys next week.
1: Travels, Uber reviews of uh, Fantasy Island. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, we're not going there. No way. It's like, that sounds awful. Seen.
0: Oh gosh. <laughs> My dead mother came back for the trip somehow. And it's, uh, yeah, yeah, we're not doing that. No, right. Fantasy Island, guys. Home brewing. So, if I go to my local bottle shop or lo- my local brewery, you know, ten years ago, home brewing made sense. Brian and I, we started maybe ten years ago. Home brewing, right? <laughs> it's
3: about right. And
0: I mean, there was beer on the shelf. There was commercial beers available, but but a lot of it was super limited, and we didn't have that many brands. Today, I can go to any. Bottle shop, maybe my grocery store, even sometimes the local gas station, and have a really good selection of beer. And if I go to a bottle shop, probably ciders and meads as well, Bill. So
2: why homebrew now? Bill, why homebrew? Uh, for me, I think COVID really kicked kick-started it more again. Uh, I mean, I was still brewing here and there. When I had the house parties and stuff, always it's great to have your own beers, not someone else's. But with COVID, I started going to the Meads and Ciders, and uh, again, there's not a lot of great Meads and Ciders out there, so it was kind of a neat experiment, and part of that is the joy of the science and the process. And during COVID, I couldn't go out. That was kind of my relaxation is actually the whole process of doing it. You didn't bake bread like literally everyone else, huh? Only with spent grain. Or okay. ferment okay. vegetables. Makes sense. Yeah, fermenting and,
0: and yeah.
3: baking bread were big. Yeah. Big COVID hobbies. For a while, you could not find things like flour or yeast in in stores. Bread machines. Everybody owned bread machines. You couldn't find bread machines. They were sold
0: out or they were on Amazon secondary market for like $7,000 for a $60 (laughs) bread machine.
3: I missed an opportunity. I have an old bread machine that's probably 20 years old that I bought as a much younger man thinking, hey, cool, I'll have fresh bread all the time. And it's in a closet and it doesn't get used. Every now and then I, I bring it out. Still makes a good loaf of bread. Yeah,
0: I yeah. know I asked you like six times during the height of COVID to break that out. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll look for it. So, yeah. But I didn't get any bread, Brian.
3: I'm no, no. I thought about it once or twice. And I know roughly where it is. But, uh, yeah, it's. I didn't feel like they didn't. I think it Fair was enough. digging. I think it, I would have had to move very heavy bottles of, like, olive oil or something like oh, that. Oh, my God. I'm and nobody sorry. wants to that. Do sounds that sounds terrible. Nobody does. Michael, why homebrew? Uh,
1: there's a, a lot of reasons. The the create creativity, I mean... There's a lot of good art out there and you still have artists. Um, so it is it's the creativity, the the balancing of art and science. And um I know, like you said, Tim, that there's a lot of beer on the shelves these days, but brewing your own is gonna be much fresher. It's always fresher. Um, Brian and I mentioned briefly before he came on air that sometimes you you look at a bottle on a shelf in a liquor store and it's been there for six months, eight months, nine oh, yeah. months. And and when you're brewing your own, it's you know. As soon as it's carved, it's ready to drink and it's fresh.
0: Can't get it much fresher than that, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, Brian, when Brian and I started homebrewing, we did it because there was limited beers here. You know, we had a few breweries. We had some of the commercial out-of-state places that came in. But the real thing that kicked it for us was seriously chasing distribution trucks to try and get a few bottles of Founders Kentucky Breakfast Stout. And at the time, you would seriously go to a store and be allotted one single bottle of this beer. So you'd have to go to a few places to get a few bottles. And we're, you know, chatting online. And Brian's like, I got two. I'm like, oh, okay, I got, I could only get one. So between your friends group, you got three or four. Ridiculous. We're just going to, we're going to learn to make it ourselves.
3: Couldn't I even get a whole four pack in places that where they did have a set time, they were releasing and announced it. You'd wait in line. I like, I'd have to get a ticket, show up an hour early. Like you'd have to be around. You have to either, sometimes they'd force you to stay in line or, you know, or, or you would just, uh, you'd have to be around when when it happened because you'd lose your spot. Like, it, seriously. And for a single bottle. We're not even right. talking about a four-pack. Yeah. So these days, when you go to stores, do you still run into cases where you're like, you want a particular kind of beer and you can't find it? Or is that, are those days basically over for you?
1: For me, it still exists. There are styles that don't sell and liquor stores and bottle shops are you know, they're, they're businesses. They can't put something on the shelf. It's not going to sell. There are styles that you know, you can't, and, you, and breweries don't brew them either because they're not profitable, but they're still good styles.
3: Yeah. Like this Bell's Amber, uh, Amber ale we just had earlier, Like obviously they still make it, but how often do you see a, a good bell or a good Amber ale made by a, a local brewery? And these were probably possibly not the freshest bottles around. So it could probably be even, even better were you to get it fresh. I know like Bill with you, like Meads and ciders. There's less less uh, stuff available, so it's probably more common for you to be say, "Hey, you know what? I want I want a raisin mead. I can't find one, or I want a coffee mead, and I just can't find one."
2: Well, you can order things online, but uh, the local stores do not carry it. They carry it, especially across dra- cross state distribution doesn't really exist. Right. So yeah, trying all those different things are there. But the other thing about mead is it's so versatile. We could have ten different raisin meads, and they would all taste different. Yeah, and that's another thing. Talk about why homebrew. One, it's
0: fun. I mean, it's just a good time. We used to get together, you know, out of my house. My garage was our brew house. Friends would come by. We'd share other beers. We'd brew. We'd order pizza. We'd fire up the grill. It's a good time, you know, yeah. and you get beer out of it. And if you want, like you said, Bill, if you want a mead that's got elder elderflower, banana, hot peppers, and coconut in it, you're not likely to find that at a
2: store. But you can make it yourself if that's what you choose. Well, especially with the experimental stuff. If you want right. to do those things, those kind of things work a lot better. If you want a gold nail, yeah, you can even make lots of different gold nails, but you don't have that flexibility. I mean, it's a gold nail. It's a gold nail. That's it,
0: Indeed. it's a gold nail. You're listening to the Beer Guys radio show. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back very soon to talk more homebrewing.
3: It's great to see our community coming back to life. The cold weather is fading away, and it's time to enjoy the greatest patio in Kennesaw. Join us at The Nest and spend some time with family, have a beer with a neighbor, or simply celebrate the end of another day. Make a reservation at thenestkennesaw.com for Sunday brunch and enjoy an overloaded Bloody Mary. At The Nest, you'll find smiling faces, great
2: barbecue, and 48 taps of local craft beverages. Don't forget, our outdoor space is perfect for your four-legged best friend. We look forward to seeing you soon at The Nest. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
3: Next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. So, you know, if you want to, go ahead and uh, wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans.
2: Now, back
3: to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Remember, all episodes are available on demand, so if you miss the broadcast, get the podcast. Beer Guys Radio is available on The Podcast Park and all popular and unpopular podcasting apps. Now, let's get back to the homebrew show.
0: Michael, we're drinking one of your beers now. We have opened up the Raining Day Jessica, which yes. is a Belgian blonde. Correct. And uh, we also have a Duval in the fridge to kind of compare, correct?
1: Yeah. Duval is one of the, the standards okay, yep. um, that you measure by, and I'm not going to make a Duval. Uh, Fair. I'm not that good. Okay. But I, I think I came up with a pretty good beer, but my, we my, – my, Brew partner Ron, right? Ron it. Yes. came up with a good beer here.
0: Yeah. I haven't. I still got meat in my glass, so I will have to try. I'm it, enjoying
3: honestly. the flavor of it so far, and I got to point out Duvel. It's it's been a little while since I've done it. Surprisingly good cigar beer. Uh, a good Connecticut wrapped cigar I was with say, a Duvel, probably a Connecticut. Very right? nice. I'll leave a Connecticut, and that used to be a go-to of mine. So if people are, if that just strikes anybody's fancy right now, go check it out. Now let me ask you something, Brian. Off topic here a little bit, yeah. not home brewing. Uh, I was thinking of
0: Connecticut, but I I could also see Duvel being a little palate cleansing. Yes. And if you did a Boulder cigar, you may get that contrast there that I think it would work. Or do you think a Boulder cigar would drown the beer out?
3: I think it depends because it may cleanse the palate, but you might get... uh stronger tones from your tobacco than you might want you know otherwise maybe a little a
0: little balance there you could go a little stronger than a connecticut for some
3: contrast i would consider like a uh mexican san andreas wrap cigar with that to see how that goes because uh, you get into some of the spicy nicaraguans or some of the really earthy honduran ones you're like you might get too too, much a little too much okay but cameroon might be really good too i mean uh, kind of a more Grassy type of flavor, right. and that might Fair. really, really go well. Beer so, cigars coming yeah. up soon. On you beer didn't guys, expect that at the homebrewing did show, not. did you? There you go. So, All guys,
0: right. in the first segment, we talked about why homebrew. I mean, why would someone do it? Bill, you mentioned the science. We talked about the art. We talked about the fact that it's just fun and the versatility of getting the beer that you want. So, let's say someone's been homebrewing for a little while and they're looking, they start looking at homebrew clubs. Why would someone join a homebrew club, Michael? Why would someone join a homebrew
1: club? I, I think. Um, it's a camaraderie. Everybody likes other folks who appreciate what they're doing. Um, there's a a chance to share your, what you're brewing with people. And, And for me, one of the biggest things is to get feedback. If I'm going to a homebrew meeting with Bill, I know Bill knows what he's talking about. So if I give him one of my beers and he tastes it and says, look, this is a good beer, but I'm getting this off flavor, or I would suggest maybe trying this you, you want to do better the next time. So it's it, it, it's fun, it's social, but it's also educational.
0: And, and one thing on that note, if you're sharing your beer with your friends and neighbors, you're going to get positive feedback. People are going to give you fo- positive feedback on free beer. If you're at a homebrew club, other homebrewers understand as a homebrewer, you want to make better beer. So you're more apt to get the true feedback that you're looking for. Right? I remember, again, I've told this story a hundred times. Our first beer, we took it to a malt monkeys meeting. And uh, the feedback I got was, well, it it tastes like beer. Yeah, (laughs) You know, that was my review. And that was to show you how long ago that was. That was uh, Zach Yurchuk was talking about opening barrel and barley at the time. And for the folks not local to the area, uh, Zach is one of the co-owners of Truck and Tap. Yes. uh, One of our sponsors. And prior to Truck and Tap, he had a growler shop when that was a thing, as was fashionable at the time, uh, called uh, Barrel and Barley. which was the predecessor to truck and tap but uh the first meeting i went to he was there and this was before before beer guys ready or, or before barrel and barley or truck and tap that's right so anyhow take your beer out share it with others bill anything else to add on why you may want to join a homebrew club
2: well it also gives you a chance to talk about the process too so not only is it hey is this beer good or bad we can talk about water quality how does that affect it different types of yeast you get to try other people's stuff too so I'm constantly experimenting with different yeast and bringing it to the club. And everyone's like, and sometimes we'll do comparisons of that. Some clubs will also do sensory training um, also, where there's these little tests you take and you uh, try and say, hey, guess what? This is, tastes, this is an off flavor, and this is what causes it. So it's kind of educational thing for it too.
0: In the sensory training, that's, there's little samples that you add to beer for the off flavors mm-hmm. in beer. That's the, the sensory training that referring to. We've done that uh, with our homebrew club uh, at one time. And so all these flavors that you get of paper, wet cardboard, seriously vomit, poop, and bile. Sometimes yes, yep. you can learn, and some of them are are subtle. So one reason you you do the sensory training is because you may not notice these things, or you may not notice them as flaws until you kind of train your palate to look yeah. for those.
1: And, if I may, the other thing, Tim, is that different people perceive flaws differently. Sure. So somebody says, "Oh, I perceive this flaw because I'm tasting X." Well, if you don't perceive that same flaw that same way, so when you do the sensory training, you find out how you perceive that off. Right.
0: Yeah. And I know people, not just perceiving them differently, but there are certain flavors you may not taste at all. Exactly. You know, that's where I is, was going with it. And there's I'm, like, I'm super sensitive to metallic taste in beer. And that that'll pop out to me super quick if I taste that. But... I forget which one. There's one that you pick up real heavy, Brian, that uh, I miss acid,
3: a lot. Acid aldehyde. Is that the apple one? The, the green apple, apple? The green there's apple. It's the green yeah. apple, and uh, I I vary with time and on my diacetyl perception. Sometimes yeah. that jumps out at me, and sometimes it doesn't. But there's at least one of them that when I try tasting, I'm like, I really don't get anything. And people are like, oh, yeah, I get it. I'm like, I just – I'm apparently taste blind to this particular taste flaw. Blind. So, yeah. like, that's maybe good for me. Like, th- that might be part of the reason. I, sometimes I don't get why people – have a really dis- different opinion about a beer than I do well it's because I don't have all the same taste receptors that another person does and that's why
0: not Brian openly admits he's not a super taster but he enjoys his
2: beer and that's really all that matters and so. one of the other things about the sensory thing is not always about off flavors some beers you want those off flavors from you okay. know, the Belgians have more of that phenolic maybe that clovey flavors and things that hey, you would never want in a you know American light lager right or yeah. bubblegum
0: I mean you get some of the Belgian yeast give all you know bubblegum character, banana you may not want in some beers. yeah it's so a banana
3: a banana or a bubble gum can be good in a belgian or a half or something like that but man you get bubble gum in i don't know an ipa or a stout or something like that it's like Ugh, no,
0: no yeah no. and even going beyond the sensory training bill i know that some of the homebrew clubs they may have a seminar of a very well-known professional brewers scientists i know uh stan hieronymus has done stuff with homebrew clubs or he'll, he'll give a talk and and oh, stan's right. been on the shows a couple of times he you know it's just a wizard with hop information other information but camaraderie feedback education that seems kind of the crux of homebrew clubs is that, is that summing up fairly well and beer. Yeah.
1: and beer and beer drinking
0: beer right yeah you so. get
1: exposed to things um you know i've gone to some meetings with bill and got to try meads there's no way i would have tried those things right. had bill not brought it to it. so you you open up yourself to new flavors new ideas and maybe if you're going to go buy something commercial, you're looking at things you wouldn't have looked at before.
3: Absolutely. So I got a question. You know, homebrew clubs, this sounds great, and people out of the area. How do you find a homebrew club?
2: Who, Bill? Well, the um, you know, first place would be like the American Homebrew Association. Okay. Most clubs do register in, you know, there, so there's a list of that. There's a lot of Facebook pages. Just looking around for things in your area, you can probably find something. Um, you know, and- guys, outside
0: of homebrew clubs, what well, are other good resources for either sharing or gaining information that, that you personally use? Any forums, discussion boards? Uh, I was going to say listserv, but that's kind of outdated tech, right? You don't <laughs> see much of those anymore. Well, Johnny
3: Carson was a big fan of those things. He so, was, yeah, yes. Carnac yeah. would, Karnak would Karnak tell the you
0: list which surf, one's yes. coming in there. But um, YouTube, are there any channels that you guys like on YouTube
2: for homebrewing or? I mean, there are, of course, you know, people have their own YouTube channels and stuff like that. Um, a friend of mine uh, uh, does something called Mean Brews where he takes all the gold winning recipes and generates a mean recipe out of that in regards to the mean values, of how much yeasts and grains and stuff. And he creates okay. a new recipe out of it. That's really educational. The other thing is on the competition side, there's a competitive uh, Facebook page um, where a lot of, uh, you know, if you're interested in doing that the uh, competitive homebrewing, you can ask questions there and they can answer a lot of information. Okay.
0: And I think we'll dive into competition a little more in the next segment. But uh, I know I actually, Homebrew Talk, is yes, that the Homebrew big time. forum?
1: I, I haven't been on there much lately. Okay. The the problem with them and any other resource is you don't know the quality of the person who's answering your question.
0: And true, if you correct someone who is wrong because you know that right answer, that does not mean that the public will accept your correct, correct answer. Correct. Um, I got my start on Reddit on the homebrewing sub about a Mr. Beer Kit. That's where I started out. There's a lot of resources out there. Take a look. You'll find something that works for you. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We need to take a break, but we'll be right back. This is God. The heat is on, and if you're looking for a beer to cool you down without slowing you down, Athletic Brewing has you covered with Athletic Light. It's certified organic with only 25 calories and 5 grams of carbs, and since it's non alcoholic, you stay sharp and avoid the hangover. And you can feel good about the beer you drink and the company that brews it. Athletic Brewing is a certified B corporation committed to social and environmental excellence. Use code BGR25 at athleticbrewing.com for 25% off your order. Athletic Light, the perfect summer crusher.
2: beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram what is nice. now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys
3: radio show i want to give a quick shout out to one of our newest radio affiliates kuhl 1440 a.m in santa maria california catch beer guys radio and kuhl every sunday at 4 a.m now let's get back to homebrew talk
0: man 4 a.m sunday that's you just got in from your saturday drinking that's a per- perfect time to tune in and hear a little bit about that's beer. right
3: have your nightcap. You're, you're winding yeah. down and uh, listen to beer.
0: You'll be good to go. It'll be a good time. Guys, we've talked about why we would want to homebrew. Uh, we've talked about joining homebrew clubs, find a homebrew club, other resources, online communities and all that. My brain took a break about Mr. Syrup over there using an online forum that we both use literally daily. And I know <laughs> yes. he's on there all the time. Yes. So he looked at me like I was crazy when I asked that, which was a fair, a fair look to yeah. get from him. Yeah. But you know what, Brian? We've decided we want to homebrew. We found us a club. We've brewed what we think is pretty great beer. And Bill, I want to start competing, man. I want to start sending my beer out to homebrew competitions, and I want feedback some from from professional beer judges, and not just my homies at the homebrew club. So,
2: how do you start competing? Well, uh, first things you have to figure out how to bottle right. So, some people sure. like to go kegging, and only are doing kegs these days. You have to learn how to do that bottling from their kegs, but. In regards to finding competitions, the, uh, the American Homebrewers Association does have a website for it, but it's kind of hard sometimes to find what's coming up. They tell you when the reward ceremony is, but you don't, uh, you don't have okay. all the extra data. Um, there's a Facebook group called Competitive um, Homebrewing. Uh, I think it's just Competitive Homebrewing. If you just do a search on, that on Facebook, you'll find it. We typically do a good job of announcing when the competition's entries are, you know, they're accepting entries, their shipping dates, how much it costs, how many bottles they want. So just trying to find those. And we also kind of say, hey, that's in this area. What circuits they're part of uh, to give you an idea of, of that aspect of. Actually, we don't have very many competitions. Lots in Florida, a good amount of North Carolina. Even Tennessee has more than we do. So we are trying to do a homebrew competition here in Georgia. And the award ceremony is going to be on the 10th uh, this month. Or not this month, September um, and, yeah, that's going to be a good chance. We're planning to do that yearly and hopefully have more homebrewers locally do it because it's always nice to learn how to drop it off rather than ship things because right. shipping is one of yeah. the other hard parts of it is how do I box it? And there's lots of different ways to do it. You can buy special boxes for it, but that gets expensive. I actually use HelloFresh and Freshly boxes that friends donate to me. Oh, I, is that
0: the way you put po- Okay. Because <laughs> I was going to say the shipping doesn't stop you, does it?
2: No, it doesn't. Yeah. And, 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 again, sometimes the shipping is as much if not more than sometimes the entry fees for some of these competitions are. Uh, So, you know, trash bags, Ziploc bags, you know, you're, you're trying to make sure it doesn't leak because if it does leak in a UPS, will toss it. If any liquid comes out of a box, it goes in the garbage immediately. So yeah, I may have some, like have a broken bottle, but normally you have to send two to three bottles to a competition. So you might not get to the best of show because you're missing a bottle, but at least it still gets judged.
0: Yeah, they can't send it up to Best to Show if they don't have another one to taste, right? Yeah, so... but that's... I remember ship, shipping just for beer, trading, or sharing beer. Like you said, bottle or can in a Ziploc bag. That's inside of a trash bag. That's in a box, you know, just... I saw something the other day. They have these things. They call them wine diapers.
1: And oh, yeah, a, yeah. You,
0: you know what I'm talking yeah. about there? So, it's a pouch that basically holds up to, like, one 750 bottle, and it's got a gel yeah. foam in, like, like, a diaper, I guess, so... If the bottle busts, it's also got bubble wrap to help prevent that. But
3: I may have I may have just ordered some stuff from uh Hair of the Dog. They still are okay. selling some of the yep. beers, as people know they've ceased operations, but they're selling out of their cellar. I was paying for wine shippers or like special foam inserts, right? Those, so yeah. they go all out. But I'm I'm thinking most people aren't doing that. What I used to do: black electrical tape around the caps yes. themselves of yeah. the of the beers, and it's it a little stretchy, so you can get some real real friction there, I vacuum-sealed mine. So I'd vacuum seal mine, and then i put put uh, bubble wrap around the How outside. How far
0: is too far? Do you wax dip them And back? you
3: know what? Not, whenever I ship beers, and I didn't do it very often, it was a pain. I hated doing it, but I was also always obsessive about it. They never broke. Never had a problem, no, right? Never broke. Yeah. No. They, I just
2: they, had yeah. one where I had three bottles out of 26 entries, which would have technically 52 bottles. Three of them broke. <sighs> oh.
0: Not a bad no, it's not it was a numbers game. I mean, I I was gonna say as much as you enter competitions, that's bound to happen
2: again, right? And
0: yeah. You
2: know, one of the things interesting is over time, you know, I'm now much closer to looking at bottles, seeing if there's any stress fractures in it and push them off to the side and stuff. So unintentionally becoming a glass expert over. I didn't even think about that.
3: Looking at the the bottles themselves to see because there are some I've seen some where I've this has happened with professional bottles. I go to open the bottle, uh the cap. And then the neck breaks and you actually yeah. open the neck of the bottle and you're like, what in the heck? You know. So that's uh that's yeah. unfortunate. I've
0: actually got where I savor all my beer bottles that's, open, just uh that's, a, a that's, well, that's smart, it, yeah. yeah.
2: One of the interesting things also is more home brewers are going to canning. One problem of competitions, not all competitions except, except cans. cans because yeah. a lot of times that gets pushed to the table and a it's very noticeable. I don't think that's really good reason. But if you have a large selection of stuff, um you end up uh, going to Mini Best of Show. And typically, if you have a two bottle competition, there's no way to cork it because you're in a can. Right. So, that beer, by, when it gets drunk by Mini Best of Show, will probably not be at its prime because it's been open for maybe an hour.
0: Yeah. I, canning is convenient. Now, on that note, it's just been within the last few years that there was home canning equipment there. Are the prices starting to come down? It's still fairly pricey to get into it with brewing. Is that it, right, it Michael? Is.
1: it is. The, the canners, I mean, I keep an eye out. We did can for a little bit. Um, and now we're back to bottles and I'll point out when it comes to bottling, Bill, Bill was talking about, you know, how to bottle, you have to know how to bottle, but you also need to make sure you've sanitized your bottles.
0: Sure. That is a
1: huge thing. Um, I've entered competitions and I've judged competitions and you'd be surprised how many people submit a beer that was a good beer, but it's in a bottle that had some contaminant and, and the beer is. God awful! By the time you open it, oh, best yeah. case
0: scenario, and worst case scenario, it gushes all over the place right. when you open it. Right? Well, the problem yeah. is,
1: if you're a beer judge and you gushes all over the place, you know it's terrible, and you still have so to drink it and it. judge it. Yeah. Oh
3: yeah. yeah, you see it coming, like oh. Yeah. But
1: um, but I I think you know Bill talked a lot a lot of good things about entering competitions. I think there's two main reasons. Number one is is to get feedback, and number two is is to try to win medals. Sure, and when you're getting feedback, you have to know who your comp- the competition, their judges, they're just scrounging up people to judge their bear. So you have to know that most um, good competitions will have the judge's name on the score sheet and what their qualifications are. So you can decide the value of the feedback you're getting.
2: Also, you know, submit to multiple competitions, That's uh, you know, about. you know, if yeah. you don't do good with one, you know, again, we talked about sensitivities that people like certain things. If right now in the summer months, you're shipping a light logger and it's been in a hot UPS car, who knows what may have gone wrong with it too. And those kind of yeah. things, um, you know, it, it is important to understand how good your judges are, but also realize that a competition is not only about the competitor. It is about the judges because here in particularly in Georgia, where we want to get more judges, how do you get people into judging? You get unexperienced people to judge like Michael's provisional. He hasn't gone through certain certification yet, but we want to give them the opportunities at these competitions to be able to judge these things, making sure they at least have one certified judge per table so they can help educate people. But with the, like the North Georgia homebrew competition, we want to make sure we would, we would be happy if we had four judges per table and only one was certified just so we get more people interested in the learning and getting to eventually hopefully get the certification right are you certified bill i am not i'm actually not even provisional i plan to after okay doing this all company, right i got you a, after doing this right i don't like writing things so and i'm not the best descriptor of of things so i i have judged before but it's not something that i enjoy doing um judging is hard work i, I, I was think. gonna it's say surprisingly
3: yeah. diff it's challenging work taxing if, if you Go ahead, Brian. And I say, and you're doing it while you are slowly bringing on more and more alcohol into your system, which may help initially with some descriptive words, and then may impair some some ability to determine what the descriptive words should
0: be. Right. So, how, how many beers are typically in a in a flight? I guess it varies by category, it, it, but let's say a popular category. It, how many beers? Are you eight to ten. So you're let's say you've got let's go on the low end of that. Let's say eight. So imagine sitting down with eight of a specific specific style of a beer that you're going to say 60% of those are pretty good. So you've got to judge these these six to eight beers where six of them are going to be pretty close in style and pick out the best one. It's hard. I mean, we've done it with Oktoberfest. You know, when you've got six beers that are pretty darn good beers, there's not a you really have to dig in there to see what's going on. But we're out of time in this segment. You're listening to the Beer Guys radio show. We're going to take a break and come back with more home brewing. Have you visited Ironmonger Brewing recently? Take a trip and see the newly renovated and spacious tap room or enjoy the outdoors in their new beer garden with plenty of seating and shade to ease that summer sun. Ironmonger's tap room has a variety of craft beer and hard seltzer on tap with wine and spirits coming soon. Ready for a bit of adventure? Try out axe throwing with Ironmogger's 16 target range. It's the perfect spot for some quick fun or to host your next party or corporate event. So grab your friends and have some fun today at Ironmonger Brewing.
2: Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Your revolution is over, Mr. Wabowski. Condolences. The Bums lost. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio
3: Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash Guys. Patrons get cool perks like Beer Guys swag and commercial-free episodes. And now, let's get back to homebrewing. Homebrewing. We've covered
0: some hot topics here folks some hot topics we have uh covered why you would homebrew we've covered finding your homebrew club we've talked about competing you know stepping up there Michael I've got a question for you we've done all these things we've decided we want to brew we started brewing we've got a club what are your tips to be a better homebrewer
1: the the number one thing uh, you know it's a joke but whenever you talk about real estate they say the three big things are location 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 with brewing, it's sanitation, sanitation, sanitation. Right. If you are not sanitizing your equipment and your whatever you're storing your beer in, you're you're never gonna brew good beer. Um, and even, you know, we've been doing it for years and years now. And every now and then we'll screw up and we taste our beer and we know exactly what's happened. It 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 is the biggest thing. Um, you know, you I think reading and getting educated about the process, there's a lot of folks the homebrew clubs or online um, about the process that once you have gotten to the point where your beer has, where you've boiled the wort, you've added your hops, you're cooling it down, You how to keep oxygen away from your beer post fermentation, right? When you, when you add the yeast and your beer is starting to ferment, yeast needs the oxygen. Yeast loves the oxygen, but as it eats the oxygen and gives off the CO2, then you need to get, then you don't want your beer touching any oxygen. Oxygen will, Tim, you mentioned earlier, it'll give you the cardboard or the wet paper kind of thing. So that is that was the biggest thing to start off for me. Um, And also read before you brew, read. I I do this and it's actually for me, it's fun. Read about the style, read about other recipes. Um, Sometimes pros will have information out there. I will say, for example, um, a year ago, a year and a half ago, we decided to brew our first smoked beer. And I found out there's a brewery up in Vermont that does a lot of smoke beers, and I just wrote him an email, and he wrote me back talking about how my recipe and my process and all that. The pros are really good at being willing to help out home brewers. Um, they're a huge great resource, but I, I, you know, don't rush it. Take your time. It, it, it's know you've got good ingredients, fresh grains and such, um, and, and I think you know, sanitize and then. The last thing I would say when you're to make good beer is realize the importance of water and water chemistry. Um, there are programs out there. You don't have to be a genius. It's easy to get your water tested to see what chemicals or what minerals are in your water. That's easy to get done. And then how do you adjust your water to make the beer? Because I, I know you guys know this, but if you're brewing a, a Kolsch for, from Cologne as versus a British beer as versus a Western, has to be different to get the flavors you want.
0: Absolutely, and you know, For sure. To toss in, Michael, all these things you're talking about doing, other than the clean and sanitize, everybody can do that, and you need to do that. But you know, the the oxygen, uh, you can do pretty well with that. But we started oxygenating our wort. You know, we've got a stone blows pure oxygen into it. Uh, fermentation temperature control is kind of a next level thing.
1: Yeah. Light you can control, still
0: make light control. You yeah. can still make really good beer without any. Of the fancy equipment to do all this stuff. Absolutely. But you can, as you want to, step it up a little bit more and make those little changes. Yeah. That takes you from good to great or better. You know, so you can get a we've got an old chest freezer we turned into a fermentation chamber with temperature control. It also keeps it in the dark. We oxygenated the the wart for right. healthy ferment doing a yeast starter on a stir right. plate. So you don't have to do all this stuff, but each piece you do will get right. you just a little bit better. But you gotta have the foundation, you know. Take good notes is another one of mine, Michael. Take good notes so you can either repeat or not repeat what you did before. And when you make a change on a recipe, only make one change at a time. If you change three or four things to improve something, you don't know which of those made the biggest impact. That's good incremental changes brian you had something to add
3: there. yeah i just the, the light control thing i remember when when we changed that when we start putting like a t-shirt around the carboy yeah and like being obsessive about not letting light hit the the beer as it was fermenting we get noticeably better beer it, we, we almost immediately lost all the the home aspect aspect of, of yeah. the beer it was amazing how big of a deal that was obviously temperature control and, and we started with a swamp
0: but, cooler as our yeah. temperature control you know a a bin with ice water in it that well, we changed out once a day Yep. And it made a difference even better when we went to an actual chamber exactly. that constantly controlled. The then you
3: nailed some really great beers right. because yes. you have, you know, very precise temperature.
1: And, and I would say it's not a cheap hobby. It, um, no. so it can be. It, well, it can the, be. The and it's is, simplest form. Right. Don't spend the money until you know you, you're ready to go to that next step. Yeah. Starting off, like you said, clear carboys, swamp coolers, all that kind of stuff. That's great. We are like, you know, where you, you are most of our fermentation now is done in a 14 uh, gallon conical fermenter with blow off and we can harvest our yeast and all that kind of stuff and its temperature
0: Ooh, you're so fancy so, man. Wow, yeah you I mean,
1: we have we have remote control temperature control so that we can <laughs> we can program it to adjust like if we want to raise the temperature half a degree a day for 10 days we can do it right um
0: which is nice with beers like saisons and that yeah, to bring right. the temperature yeah. up so but,
1: but again we we were brewing for a few years before we did that because if you're not going to keep brewing, yeah, and, and as I think we had this discussion at our homebrew club meeting, Bill and I, the resale market for a lot of the homebrew equipment is not great right now. So if you spend the money, you better be you better be ready to yes use yeah. it
0: for long term. Absolutely, and yeah, it's just uh, there's a lot that can be done. Start off simple, keep the basis, keep the foundation there. Great stuff, Bill. We want to talk with you about meads and ciders. You're the mead and cider man. I know you brew beer as well. What is the main difference? and doing me or let's start with me what's the big difference there compared to brewing
2: beer so at the end of the day of course beer is you know malt you know, <laughs> water yeast is with meat it's honey with cider it's apples uh the, one of the big things to make it easier to do those things is i don't have to do especially if you're doing all grain the mashing process the boil kettle that is a full day thing i only brew on the weekends because of that mead ciders i can make a batch of meat and cider in an evening it's not a big deal all i need is honey I'll warm up the honey a little bit just so it can not just sink to the bottom of, you know, of a firm or of the inside the fermenter. But other than that, I mean, that's that's the biggest difference is time. Uh, yeah. The cost is ciders I find are very cheap to make. I a lot of times will just use all the apple juice or something or Kroger apple juice. And I like to experiment a lot again because there's less time I can experiment more. Uh, and as you were talking about changing different things, I have a whole line of ciders where everything I just do is just, just that kind of yeast. What does that yeast sure. do to mm-hmm. something? And then I'll take that knowledge and apply it to the other things. Um, but yeah, that's really the, the bigger difference. Um, meads are a little bit more expensive. Honey's not cheap, right? Getting honey is not easy. Uh Costco honey's fine. Um, but I get a lot of honey from Hawaii actually. And uh that sounds pricey. It's actually yeah. one of the cheaper places to get it. Is and it? I get some, okay. Some, it, it's right. funny because you get free shipping from there. And really, there, 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 there's a good guy out there. There's actually a couple of good companies out on the, the big island in Hawaii, and so a lot of the, the mead makers use this guy's honey. And um, you do get different flavors from different And especially if you do traditionals, uh, it, it, you know, where you don't add any spices or anything else. Um, I like, I, the honey is really important because you have nothing else to hide it. Kind of like doing like a blonde ale. Nothing really can hide it. Hide sure. in it, Same kind of concept there. Uh, if I do fruits, uh, that's where I'll probably use more of the Kroger honey. Or not Kroger honey, but the Costco honey and things. So it's going to be fermented out. Maybe back sweet with the expensive honey.
0: Yeah, that's I forget. I totally forget where where we got our honey now. But ours was them.
3: mostly Costco. I well, I think the, we got
0: like half gallon jugs from there, didn't we? Yeah, we just yeah. Did. It wasn't that expensive, and it made it was good. You know, I'm sure we could again, like we we're talking about with beer, we could have got better. We could have went better, but ours was pretty darn good.
3: And know? ours was very reliant on additives to it, fruits you know, like anything from oranges to raisins to craisins and all that sort of thing, cinnamon sticks, that sort of thing. So ours was not very purist, but, man, ours
2: aged real nice. (laughs) Yeah, it did. Yeah, thick, sweet. Sanitation, of course, again, 100%. (laughs) Sanitation, definitely a big thing. Water quality still affects, especially with meads. Sure. um, Unless you are doing like, an all-juice thing. It's very important. But those are, like, the the main things you need to worry about. Uh, Yeast, again, I like yeast, different experimenting with that. And compared to like when you were home-brewing, the yeast is so much better than it was It is. A lot more variety, too. Better not yeast sure. and much, much more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and temperature c- control is not as important as it used to be because you can get better yeast. Like vike yeast and such. That that, that was, was one me. reason we got yeah. into Saison's
0: is because we didn't need the temperature control at first. And also, Michael, you're talking about water chemistry to back up to that. My water naturally had a good profile for Saison's. We didn't have to do it. We filtered it, and that was it. Yeah, Yeah. So. Exactly. Well, guys, we are about out of time. We've covered a lot of homebrewing topics today. I appreciate you both coming in here and sharing your knowledge. Uh, we're going to have to do it again for sure. We may brew again one day, Brian, you know? Who knows?
3: I keep thinking about doing reviving one of our old mead batches or old yeah. mead recipes because I could do that in an evening, like Bill says, on the kitchen counter and have a gallon of it. Quick, fast,
0: and fun, right? It would be beautiful in short time. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Join us next week. We're going to have a surprise guest. For more craft beer info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers.